Welcome to the Advancing Women Podcast, where ambitious women come together to challenge the status quo, advance their careers, and up-level their lives. The Advancing Women Podcast is hosted by gender equity expert and executive coach, Dr. Kimberly D. Simone. Welcome, warriors, to the Advancing Women Podcast. So Mother's Day was this past weekend. It's a day to honor the role of mother in the family and in society. Celebrations of mothers and motherhood can be traced back to the ancient Greeks and Romans who held festivals in honor of the mother goddesses. But somewhere along the line, we have found it acceptable to honor mothers one day in May while penalizing them every other day in the workforce. The research and data show a very clear and very real motherhood penalty in the workforce. Claire Kane Miller, in a New York Times article, made this bold assertion that one of the worst career moves a woman can make is to have children. Mothers are less likely to be hired for jobs, to be perceived as competent at work, or to be paid as much as their male colleagues with the same qualifications. For men, meanwhile, having a child is good for their careers. They are more likely to be hired than childless men and tend to be paid more after they have children. And before you dismiss this as not true, it is important to note that the research shows it is absolutely true. And before that status quo defending creeps in, that rationalizes this, that somehow women who have children don't want to come back to work or don't contribute as much, I can tell you that there is strong evidence in the research to show that even after controlling for job type, hours worked, desired to return, and the salaries of their spouses, there is plentiful research that suggests that the disparity is not because mothers actually become less productive employees and fathers work harder when they become parents, but the inequity persists because employers expect this to be the case. It is bias. It is sometimes unconscious bias. And Miller also said in that same article, quote, even in the age of lean-in, when women with children run Fortune 500 companies and had the Federal Reserve, traditional notions about fathers as breadwinners and mothers as caregivers remain deeply ingrained. Employers, it seems, have not yet caught up with the fact that women can be both mothers and valuable employees. And so we must keep having these conversations. We need to recognize and acknowledge the motherhood penalty is still very much a problem and a hindrance to women's workforce equity. So what is the motherhood penalty or the maternal wall, as William and Dempsey identify in their research? Simply defined, the motherhood penalty is based on the antiquated stereotypical view that women are primary caregivers and have a duty to stay at home and raise their children, that the home is where women are most, quote unquote, valued. And as a result, mothers who choose to work may be seen as less competent or committed to their jobs. The motherhood penalty affects many aspects of women's careers, from earnings to the ability to get hired, evaluations and promotions, and this is well supported in the research. In a famous Stanford study, it was found that with identical resumes, if a candidate was known to be a mother, she was half as likely to be called back and almost half as likely to be recommended for hire. Indeed, when the researcher who conducted the study saw the results, she said, quote, I have been studying these kinds of gender biases for years, and I have never seen effects this large, end quote. 
And these studies have been reproduced over and over with similar results, unfortunately. There is a scientifically proven motherhood bias in the workplace, and it leads to lack of hiring and advancement, but also a well-documented wage penalty associated with becoming a mother or having more children, or even for being a woman of childbearing age. And some people think that this problem no longer exists, that the laws against discrimination have fixed the problem. They have not. While the Federal Pregnancy Discrimination Act of 1978 prohibits discrimination on the basis of pregnancy, childbirth, or related medical conditions, Bloomberg Law found that nearly 200 lawsuits were filed in 2021, just through the end of June, by mothers who allege their employers have discriminated against them during their pregnancy. Likewise, beyond legislation, the host of strategies to address the motherhood penalty have also fallen short. In fact, we may even be moving backwards when it comes to supporting mothers in the workplace. According to a 2019 Forbes article citing research from the Modern Family Index, nearly twice as many U.S. women were nervous to tell their boss they were pregnant as compared to five years prior. And 65% of women without children expressed having reservations about having a child, including 42% who expressed clearly a fear that it would hurt their career trajectory. Sadly, women are realizing that all the advice and promises that if they took action to solve the problem, leaned in, as we so often hear, it would mitigate the problem. And it has not. And to be sure, there is no lack of advice on advancing professionally for men and for women, but much more so for women and directed towards women. There are unique and important considerations relative to that advice when given to women that we must be mindful of. First, the research shows that often the same advice, the same advancement strategies given to men and women do not work the same for both. One study of over 4,000 high-potential professionals on traditional career paths following graduation from full-time MBA programs, of which both men and women had adopted the full range of advancement strategies attributed to the ideal worker, showed distinct gender differences in the benefits of adopting the same advancement strategies. The study authors found that men benefited more than women when they adopted the proactive strategies of the proverbial ideal worker, confirming that even when women engaged in the same career advancement strategies as men to help them get ahead, they advanced less than their male counterparts and had slower pay growth. So it shouldn't be shocking to hear that leaning in isn't necessarily getting it done. And it's actually both surprising and unsurprising, right? Instinctively, we might think that implementing best practice advancement strategies should have a positive impact. The issue, of course, is that you can't muscle through or lean into gender discrimination and unconscious bias. This is why I loudly and often advocate that we must fix the problems, fix the biases and barriers, and stop trying to fix the women. Because we are not broken. The system is broken. And it is broken in part because it places too much onus on women and not enough onus on the structures, organizations, and organizational leadership to address both overt and unconscious gender bias. Social norms on what we value most in women and men and prescriptive and descriptive biases relative to what women are like in the workplace and in the home or should be like 
in the workplace or in the home. Stereotypes of the ideal woman versus the stereotype of the ideal worker or leader continue to contravene efforts to level the playing field. And there is also the increasingly common problem that the advice that is often given to women tends too often to be a wolf in sheep's clothing. It's billed as pro-advancing women and empowerment, this kind of own your destiny and don't get in your own way. And it's seemingly empowering, but ultimately it's just the fix the woman wolf in empowerment sheep's clothing. It shifts the blame and onus to the woman rather than addressing the social, organizational, and structural biases and barriers that need to be acknowledged and interrupted. We have to stop blaming women and motherhood especially, and address how women are often pushed to the margins, pushed to the margins in the workplace, especially mothers, and that these effects are due to gender bias and a cultural bias against mothers. And I know we don't want to believe this, but we can't fix a problem that we aren't ready to acknowledge. If we don't acknowledge the reality of this problem, it can't be fixed. And there is just too much evidence-based research and data to ignore or deny this. Williams and Dempsey have extensively studied hundreds of high-performing women poised for advancement and found that there is a real bias leading to motherhood penalties in the workforce. What they coined as a maternal wall bias pattern, which is a pattern of bias which correlates with biases and assumptions of women's competence and commitment after motherhood and bias in terms of the expectations society has of a mother's role and value in the home. In short, the research confirms that women with children are routinely pushed to the margins of the professional world, and often we are unfairly and inaccurately blamed for this outcome. And it's all nonsense because assumptions aside, here's the reality. Despite fear and claims that women won't come back to work after having children, according to Bureau of Labor Statistics data, almost 75% of mothers with children still at home work. And women are the sole or primary breadwinners in 40% of households with children, according to data from the Pew Research Center. This isn't about women's willingness or abilities or competence after having children. It's about bias, proven bias. In a study of 500 managers, researchers learned that leadership often finds the cost of maternity leave as too high. 40% of surveyed managers said they avoid hiring younger women to get around maternity leave. And that's who admitted it. 40% said it outright. It doesn't even reflect unconscious bias and really let that sink in because it's scary. Also, more than a third of hundreds of managers interviewed admitted to being wary of hiring any woman in her 20s or 30s, stating they would rather employ a man in his 20s or 30s over a woman of the same age for fear of maternity leave. So even if you aren't planning on having children, even if you never want children, it is important to understand that this discrimination affects women in general. Those who don't plan to have children or those who already have children or are planning to have children. It is a problem of gender stereotypes and discrimination. The motherhood penalty negatively affects all women, not just mothers. And sadly, as it relates to potential and advancement, a number of participants from those surveyed shared that they would be hesitant to hire a mother for a senior role. 
And despite this discrimination being illegal, it still happens. And this is just the folks willing to recognize and acknowledge their bias who admit this. It doesn't even take into account those who believe they don't have these biases, but really do. In another study, around 40% of young mothers reported that they have been questioned in job interviews about how being a mother would affect their ability to work. The research from the Young Woman Trust also found that a quarter of young mothers have experienced discrimination of some sort when their employer found out they were pregnant. And get this, I think this study's findings are the real kicker. The Equality and Human Rights Commission surveyed more than 1,000 small and medium-sized private sector employers. More than a third of those employers surveyed said it was reasonable to ask women about their future plans to have children during the recruitment process. While simultaneously, more than 40% said pregnant employees put a, quote, unnecessary cost burden on the workplace. Unnecessary cost burden. And when I heard this, I was like, wow, yes, do the right thing. Disclose your pregnancy or plan to potentially get pregnant so employers can do the wrong thing and discriminate against you. Please help employers break discrimination laws. It's really unbelievable. And guess what? Despite so-called protection and legislation, we all got the message loud and clear. Nobody was fooled into believing that this legislation would solve the bigger issue. According to the latest Bright Horizons annual Modern Family Index, it was found that 69% of working Americans say working moms are more likely to be passed up for a new job than other employees. And 60% say career opportunities are given to less qualified employees instead of working moms who may be more skilled. And 70% of both working moms and dads surveyed agree that women are penalized in their careers for starting families while men are not. Likewise, research from the Center for Talent Innovation, looking at on-ramps and off-ramps, women exiting the workforce and then wanting to on-ramp back, found the motherhood penalty was very prevalent, where despite the vast majority, 93% of off-ramped women expressed wanting to resume their careers after having a child. Yet only 74% managed to get any kind of job at all, and just 40% were able to successfully return to full-time work. This isn't a woman's pull to stay home. It is a workforce push, keeping mothers from coming back. It's about biases and negative perceptions and attitudes towards mothers. And paradoxically, research shows that employers rate fathers as the most desirable employees, followed by childless women, childless men, and finally, mothers. And while the argument for why is often that women are less committed and capable, there is in reality a problem of casuistry or casuistic bias, where seemingly reasonable standards are applied more leniently to some and more strictly to others. So for example, in the case of the motherhood penalty, research shows that employers hold mothers to harsher performance standards and even small things, like they are less lenient of mothers when they are late. So this isn't about competence or lack of hard work. This is about gender bias. This is about bias against mothers in the workforce. And the research shows that not only are hiring managers less likely to hire mothers compared with women who don't have kids, but when employers do make an offer to a mother, they offer her a lower salary than they do other women. 
Men, by contrast, do not suffer a wage penalty when they become dads. In fact, there's evidence of a fatherhood bonus in which their earnings actually increase. And that's that homemaker, breadwinner model, right? Let's give men more money to take care of their families. This antiquated, discriminatory mindset that hurts women and families. And all of this happens despite data that shows that childbearing has economic benefits for our society overall. Yay us, right? We're benefiting the economy and propagating the species. You're welcome. Not so fast. Hold your applause. Because despite the benefits, even the economic benefits of childbearing, women are still unfairly financially penalized for having children and in very measurable and long-term ways. A study by Census Bureau researchers found that between two years before the birth of a couple's first child and a year after, the earnings gap between opposite-sex spouses doubles. The gap continues to grow and it never disappears completely. Even very short-term leaves result in long-term financial consequences for women. In that Center for Talent Innovation study that I talked about earlier, it was found that even a relatively short interruption can entail heavy financial costs. Their study found that a one to two-year timeout slashes 15% from women's salary, and at three years, the salary gap compared to those who, quote, stay on track, rises to a staggering 46%. It's exponential. Organizations can blame women all they want. They can explain away bias and defend the status quo. But the fact remains that for most men, Fatherhood results in a wage bonus. For most women, motherhood results in a wage penalty. And while the gender pay gap has been decreasing, the pay gap related to parenthood is increasing. Outdated stereotypes about fathers as primary breadwinners and mothers as primary caregivers persist. And this presents very real and unfair barriers to women. And we can see from the research that despite federal protections, pregnant women and women of childbearing age still very much face discrimination in the workplace. The motherhood penalty impacts advancement, keeps women out of top positions of power, pay, and prestige, and ensures that many working mothers are shut out of leadership roles because deep down, many employers incorrectly and unfairly assume that women's caregiving commitments make them inappropriate candidates for demanding jobs. So a huge shift in attitudes and behavior is needed before women can feel like they're not being penalized for wanting both a career and children. Because the reality is men are never asked or expected to choose between the two. Indeed, research shows that simple, seemingly minor things like having photos of your children on your desk or mentioning your children at work can have a very different impact for fathers than it does for mothers. So men, feel free to go ahead and plaster your desk and office with family photos and pictures of your children. It will serve you well. Women, mm, not so much. Research has found that when women in the workplace talk about their children, they are often seen as distracted. When men talk about their children, they're viewed as caring dads. And we have to acknowledge these very real and persistent discriminatory realities for women. So let's talk solutions. First, why don't we start by addressing the real problem, gender bias and maternal wall bias. If we're looking for why women don't advance, 
Most times we can point to gender bias and often to maternal wall bias. The problem is systemic, not individuals. We have to stop problematizing women and problematizing maternity leave. In the 21st century, most women and men work and have children. And men and women alike report that they equally want to be a part of the involvement in and the responsibilities of and the joys and benefits of parenting. So let's just figure it out. Childbearing age tends to be the same as the time we're focused on career growth. So we know this. Blaming any individual is ludicrous and has very little value. It is what it is. So let's work it out. Leadership is about adapting. And real change starts with a mindset shift. This is not about personal choices. This problem isn't women choosing to have children when we're also trying to have a career. It's not about can women have it all. The problem is corporate culture and the incompatibility of the extreme work model and presenteeism and this idea of total commitment to the organization with the needs and desires of a 21st century workforce. Good intentions withstanding, programs or policies must be firmly rooted in and promoted as what they are, employee programs, programs for a workforce, rather than programs for women. Leadership must boldly acknowledge bias and unconscious bias and stereotyping. Solutions can only come when we acknowledge the real problems identified in the research and data and create organizational processes and policies to interrupt those bias patterns. Legislations, laws, they're not nearly enough. We've had anti-discrimination laws on the books for almost half a century in the United States. And likewise, we've been seeing corporate initiatives for decades, and yet the inequity remains. And with legislation and policy change, we must be mindful of unintended consequences which can emerge when we pass laws and create policies. In one Harvard Business Review article titled, Do Longer Maternity Leaves Hurt Women's Careers? The authors found that around the world, as many governments are starting to offer extended paid maternity leave, there is evidence that these longer leaves, even when sanctioned, may interrupt women's careers and ultimately harm their prospects and advancement in the long run. Studies find that when women do take advantage of longer leaves, it sends a signal to employers that they are less committed to their work. And so women who take advantage of these longer leaves are perceived as less desirable and less committed. Here again, we see change motivated by a progressive concern to improve work-life balance for working parents and to help keep women in the workforce, to help women advance. Nonetheless, no matter how well-meaning the sentiment behind these policies, a dark side to that longer parental leave persists. Women are still penalized in both the short and long term for becoming mothers, and even for potentially becoming mothers. Women pay a price for their commitment to motherhood in their careers, and we have to shift the explanation for why this happens to what it really is. This is antiquated homemaker breadwinner models that haven't existed for almost half a century. It's plain old gender bias and discrimination. Wanting and advocating for women in top leadership is about acknowledging what's happening and abandoning these outdated social cultural biases and expectations. As I often say, and this is always the case with endeavors to create equitable change, we must focus on outcomes. It's about the shift in outcomes. 
it's not about a bunch of policies, programs, or even laws that don't fix the inequity. Family-friendly policies, flexibility, unconscious bias training, abandoning the extreme work model and presenteeism in favor of outcomes accountability, creating and supporting on-ramps for those wanting to return after parental leave. These types of things are very possible. This problem is not insurmountable. We just have to stop blaming women. Stop asking questions like can or should women have it all and walk the talk. Don't claim to value diversity, then say, but you have to fit in with the existing model that wasn't designed by or for you, a model that doesn't work for a 21st century workforce. That's not leadership. That's defending the status quo. And so my manifest statement this week is this. Women are in the workforce and we're not going anywhere. And our contributions to the workforce and the overall economy are indisputable. And so this past weekend, this past Mother's Day, we're reminded to cherish and show our appreciation for moms. Everyone, women, men, leadership, and hiring managers, as you honored your mom on Mother's Day, we must honor mothers every day. Not honor them a day in May, then penalize, marginalize, and discriminate against them throughout their professional careers. The motherhood penalty exists and it is not women's fault, nor is it our problem alone to solve. We should not be overlooked, underpaid, and sidelined for daring to procreate. It is for all of us to solve, and it is solvable. So to our male allies, I'll mirror actress Emma Watson's sentiment, quote, Men, I would like to take this opportunity to extend your formal invitation. Gender equality is your issue, too. And finally, as former CEO and author Gail Blank said, don't just stand for the success of other women. Insist on it. For more resources, you can visit my website, www.advancingwomenpodcast.com, and connect on Instagram at Advancing Women Podcast. I love getting your feedback, so please email me at drdsimone at advancingwomenpodcast.com. I just want to thank Joe Jacobs, the audio warrior who wrote the music for this podcast, and a huge thanks to Heather Harris, the creative warrior who designed the Advancing Women podcast logo. And thanks to all of you for joining me here today.